content like this is drugs addiction and dumb shit oh hey oh hey hey every day takes a little patience push on through stay strong no be nation dumb shit like this makes us really miss chris oh hey Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, um, and I'm here with one of my oldest and dearest friends. If if Dave, the guest, a few episodes was my oldest friend because I met him a year before I met you, then Robbie, or Roberto, or Rob, as he is often called, is uh, the next one. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And I, you know, it's like... I on Dopey people call me Dave in my life people call me Dave or David but growing up everybody called me Davy and Robbie still does so if I call you Robbie and you slip and call me Davy and it's like that's the deal right I wouldn't the the thing is <laughs> I only call you Dave and you only call me Robbie I think that's that's all that's it's never been any other way well we we we've tried <laughs> at times to make allowances you know and go a different way or whatever but it, it, before we go we got to do this we got to get this out of the way there's okay. money at stake now it's very exciting Dopey is brought to you This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery And my father says you need to know how to spell Aloe So it's spelled A-L-O Are you happy dad? (laughs) Ruining the fucking podcast Um, A-L-O Aloe Recovery They are a treatment center in Southern California Run by Bob Forrest And his friends At Aloe Excellence Matters They provide high Quality care, but that's not what makes them special. It's authenticity and genuineness, like Dopey, that give them the ability to reach the unreachable, and you can't fake that. Uh, when I talked to Evan, who is the guy who runs it, he was telling me that him and Bob wanted to make a treatment center that um, that has respect for their clients. And uh, I've been to a ton of treatments that didn't have any respect for their clients, so I think that's a really uh, a great place to start. So uh, if you have a problem, you should go to Aloe. Check them out. They could help you out. 
they're joint commission accredited. Their doctors are board certified addictionologists. Their clinical director, Dean Emanion, has three decades of experience treating addiction and mental health disorders. Seems like they have nice amenities, surfing, horseback riding, sweat lodge, all nice I stuff. I have a question. Yes. What about the food at uh, Recovery? Like, well, I mean... Well, this place in. sounds pretty swanky. I bet you the food at Aloe is pretty good. You, every pl- The places I've been, I've, I've never been to a place that had... I guess Mountainside, the food was okay. But, like, most of the place... I mean, like, we went to a place... Anyway, let's finish Aloe. Aloe, thank you for supporting the show. If you guys are fucked and in California or want to go to California to get treatment... Go to Aloe. Thank you, Aloe. You want to spell it for them? A-L-O, not A-L-O-E, like the aloe vera plant. Not the aloe vera plant, but aloe. Um, one of the funny stories was like years ago, uh, I would when I was living in Los Angeles and I was fucked, I would go to this free detox there all the time. I would go there many times a year. <laughs> and And the food there was just... It was just terrible. I mean, it was just, it was really bad, but, but I couldn't, I could barely eat when I was detoxing, so I wasn't, like, concerned with it. That was another thing that I always think about. In rehabs, the best thing for me was I would go into the kitchen, and in the kitchen, usually, there's, like, a lot of options for cereal, and there's, like, coffee, and there's hot chocolate. So me being the notorious sweet tooth that I am, I would take, like, four packets of hot chocolate, dump it into a cup, make serious hot chocolate and have a cereal or peanut butter and jelly, you know, and peanut butter and jelly and hot chocolate in rehab was very, uh, what's the word? It made me feel safe. You know, uh-huh. it was very, uh, but Todd, Todd went to a detox with me in LA and he just smelled the cafeteria. He's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> he like left immediately. Um, because, and he, he decided it was because of the goulash that they served there, that it wasn't up to his, his high palate, <laughs> his high taste. But so years ago when me and Chris were doing the show, Robbie was going to call in. And we actually had him on the phone, but at the last second you bailed out. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, I was literally doing work on some – like I was, uh, I was making a, a shed – out of found materials in the back of my friend's yard and I had a hammer in my hand and I was supposed to finish a shed that day and also I guess really I I I take Adderall for my ADD and I had this really big thing. I was like, oh, God, I can't be on the show. I actually am taking Adderall. And, like, I had the, I didn't tell you about it. Right. You uh, told I, me about I, it later that day. Yeah, and I felt, really, I felt really bad, and I felt really guilty, and I was like, I can't be on the show because I'm actually, you know. What about Todd, though? He was on the show on heroin. <laughs> and Chris, it turns out, was also. And Artie Lang and the rest. So many people have been on the show high. Well, I know. I don't. I mean, I take Adderall, but, you know, I'm prescribed Adderall, and I take it daily. I mean, there was a time in the beginning, and there, there was time when I abused Adderall. When was uh, that? Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible. Um, when was that? I don't know. It was in it's in the beginning when I was trying to actually start taking it. So, so okay. So this is a, a very interesting story about Davy and I. So about Dave, me? You, no, Davy. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought yeah, you said yeah. Damien and I. I was no. like, who is that? <laughs> no, anyway, continue. No, Jesus, I'm sorry. So this goes back to way. This is how my ADD shows up, and Davy's totally ADD also. And we, I think, if I took Adderall, I could take over the world. <laughs> I feel like if I could get a fucking dose of Adderall, like there'd be no stone uncovered in my 
my life. I'd be like the guy in Limitless. I'd probably be the president. You know, it's it's so true. Limitless <laughs> is about Adderall. It's like, I can't believe they made a fucking movie about it. I'm uh, very jealous that you get to take Adderall while I suffer in sobriety. <laughs> anyway, can t- let me hear this. So, okay, so here's the story. You think I'm ADD, though? Yeah. It's, oh, Jesus. I'm Lord. bad ADD. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a kid... Um, I would like fall asleep everywhere. Yes. I was like, oh, this is a classic <laughs> story. Yes. I mean, I would literally fall asleep anywhere and everywhere, and I can't tell whether or not it was because I didn't have good sleep habits. It turns out I have terrible sleep, and I have terrible sleep well, habits. Well, also, you go to Rami's house to sleep over oh. as a kid, and you're like, it's like getting time to go to bed, and you're like, okay, it's time to go to bed, and then you find Robbie like behind the couch asleep, like all nestled up, or like in, in his mom's bed, or in his sister's bed, or in his aunt's bed. Like, it was not a sleep, it was not like, a set place to go to no, sleep every night no, in your house. No, no, we had like a, eight people in a three bed. No, nine people in a three bedroom house. So well, but all, it was shifting numbers always. It wasn't steady nine. No, people. no, always changing, always, always changing you know, numbers, personalities. <laughs> it was it was an exciting place though, very dynamic. So at any rate, I um, would sleep anywhere. I would, and I was also a space cadet. So one time I ended up. Um, Getting lost in Chinatown. We were we were on a field trip. No, you have to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let me set up this story because this story is too good. Now, Rami and I have been like the best, literally the best of friends since kindergarten. We met in kindergarten, and um, so this is what Davy this is what Davy does. Literally, Davy's wearing one of those Izod shirts with the big wide stripes, and I just remember him walking up to me, and he he looks me in the eye, and he walks from all the way across the room. This is in kindergarten, mind you, in Miss Lebov's class. And I hope Miss Lebov doesn't <laughs> listen to Toby. He comes up and he puts out his hand and he says, "Hi, my name is Davy. Let me show you around." And I'm a we great host. Right? <laughs> I'm a great host. But but we we were like we were like we were like Siamese twins from then until we were like 13, basically until yeah. puberty hit, and then we were like sibling rivals. Yes, but. But we were always close. I mean, even after that. But so Rami and I like would would just stick together in school and like always be partners. And, and so they're walking buddies and and bus buddies. And bus this is buddies. where this story goes to. If we go on a field trip, you ride on the school bus and you need a bus buddy. And on that day, for some reason, somebody else said I got paired with David Richter. Yeah, I hope David Richter doesn't listen to Dopey too. <laughs> oh God. But there's some. Should, we not, should I not use last names? Yeah, don't use last names. This is terrible. Sorry. It's not not bad. Not bad. Um, it's actually a good story. Um, I don't remember who. Somebody asked me to do it, and I was like, okay, you know, like before I could say, let's do it with Robbie. And uh, so I'm somebody else's butts buddy, and uh, we go. Do you remember where we went? Uh, no, we probably went to the zoo or the aquarium or the museum of natural history or something. And we all get back to our school and we get off the bus and I'm like, where's Robbie? <laughs> and Robbie <laughs> didn't get off the bus. And I'm like, I'm like holding David Richter by his collar. What the fuck? <laughs> Slapping him. I'm like, what happened to Robbie? And, um, and then I'm like, to whoever the teacher was, where's Robbie? Where's Robbie? And 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 everyone freaks out. Robbie Robbie didn't get off the bus because Robbie <laughs> fell asleep on the bus. And they call up Robbie's parents and they're. How did that? What happened then? Uh, so I wake up. Um, the bus is stopped. 
Uh, I'm in the middle of Chinatown. We go to school on the Upper East Side. You know, it was a long journey and traffic, you know, like it probably took a long time to get down there. Yeah. And I, I'm like rubbing my eyes. I'm starting to cry. I'm walking up to the, you know, like we're in the middle of Chinatown. There's nobody around. It's like kind of like this weird part. And I'm walking up to the front of the bus and like I start crying. (laughs) The bus driver's like, where did you come from? And then he had to start on his next route, and so my parents ended up chasing the bus. Well, how did they? The I, that's downtown. the piece I never understood. The they, story was always that your father chased the bus through Chinatown, <laughs> but how did they? Like, there's no GPS. No. How did they know where the bus was? They called, had to call the bus company, and they were like, "Okay, well, he's going to this next yeah, bus." Yeah. And my mom yelled at the teachers because they were like, "How could you lose my son?" Oh, it's such. It was. It's like. And so it's a classic story from our childhood. It's a classic Robbie Space Cadet. But it's story. like I'm a total Space Cadet. I'm, I like literally stop when I'm thinking. I stop and look out, uh, and it looks like I'm frozen. It looks like I, I looks like I'm. It looks like I'm nodding, except I'm like total, my head head is up, and I'm like a statue. Well, you've always been like that. Too. So that's. I mean, like, so I finally got diagnosed with ADHD. Who diagnosed you? I went to, well, so... I you had been diagnosed by probably, diagnosed, you've been diagnosed <laughs> probably by every teacher you've ever had or and every no, parent no, yourself. No, no one ever said anything. This is the irony, is that we are all, you know, we grew up around educators. Davy's mom is, you know, like, was an a, um, educator. Alan was an educator. You know, like my mom had no, said that I was ADD, you know, after like it came back that like I was like one of the worst students in our school. Like you and I were probably like in the the worst. Oh, we were worst. the we were the bottom of the barrel. And when Dave talks about how like our group was, you and I were the worst. of it. I graduated. <laughs> there was only George. Uh, George L. graduated one below me, but he never went to class. He Are never you went sure? to class. I, I thought I'd I was the, no, 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 no. You were three. You were six up above me. No way. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Give, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Um, my my mom wanted me to leave our school and go to the neighborhood school because she thought I could dominate over there. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't know how I would get dominated over there. You know, because I mean? Robbie and I went to the. We got into a school when we were four years old. Robbie got in when he was five. In, in nineteen eighty, Robbie and I met, and. Uh, and it's a school you get in when you're little and you stay until you're 17, grade. you know, until until you graduate high school. So, like, and along the way, a ton of super smart people come in. Yeah, they're like Supreme Court justices who have graduated from this school. Um, big you know, shots. You know, like people. media big shots. Yeah, like it's bananas. It's, it's and then fucking us. bananas. And yeah, like, so, so you when so, so you get diagnosed with ADD, but had you been abusing Adderall before that happened? Mm, yes, I did once, and I can't tell that story because I haven't told my wife that story. You gotta it's tell terrible. it. Just tell the story, terrible. and I can't. This is part of the reason why I was so. You're scared what people would hear. Yes, just tell. I the will story. be honest. I will be honest. Okay, so. Um, I can't the, believe that's Don't be exclusive. <laughs> Robbie's going to have to run and tell Annie when he, when he gets yeah. out of here. Annie told this story, and she's going to get pissed, too. So um, I ended up, it, it, it went for my wedding, 
you know, I, had, I was crazed. First of all, I was totally crazy because uh, I am a very of the moment human being. And my wife is a planner and she planned for like a year to do this wedding. And um, we I. Did a song. We did a song about Robbie and Annie at the wedding. And the first line is Annie. She's super planning. Yeah, it's very true. I am not planning. No, uh, Robbie's not planning. I live in the moment. But um, I was like, okay, my friends are here, and I love, you know, I do. Here's the thing is that it, the dope, this is another thing that I want to talk about. It's like um, I do like to drink, and and um, we had gotten pot and, you know, like all these, because weed is legal in Washington state. I don't think it was then though. No, it was. No, it wasn't. It was. Are you sure? Yeah. I, I was newly sober for your wedding and, uh, and I didn't see anybody smoking weed. Like I got lucky. I guess there was like planned to not smoke weed around me, but I oh, got yeah. lucky. No, no, no one was smoking weed around you. It was very important, but nobody really smoked. Our group didn't smoke weed. No, no, no. Anyway. But so... Like, I wanted for my bachelor party to be able to smoke weed and drink and, you know, do all this other stuff. Hey, I see the lie. Uh, The the omission lie. No, I, you know, I, and this is terrible. (laughs) I asked one of my former students who, like, had been diagnosed with, um, uh, ADD. He wrote his college essays about it, and you know, I gave him many recommendations. I love this guy, um, but your former student slash drug dealer. Yes, and so he gave me both weed and um, and Adderall. Adderall. To and party. so when we you were going to party with the Adderall, yes. Explain that to me because I I had Adderall in my possession like on my last bad dope run. Um, I had this guy who wasn't a dealer. Is this weird guy from Brooklyn who had heroin? And he he would always bring me heroin, and he would bring me Suboxone, and then he had Adderall. And I was like, just give me some Adderall, too, because I, I predicted that if I took Adderall, I could run the world. But I don't like speed. So I, like, put it in my drawer and never took it. And then, like, when I got clean, I found it. Like, I never took it. Like, I literally never took it. Anyway, so what does it feel like to party on Adderall? Well, I'm, my body had never had it. And, like, I... So you wanted to take it... To, to just to have some sort of stimulant for the bachelor party. Yes, yes. It was this the party? This was the the stripper party, the yes. rape toast party, all that stuff. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, the what toast? Rape toast. I have no what. That that's a secret that I've kept from you. <laughs> what? <laughs> because at because like one of the funniest things, and I hope you find I, this funny. I can't. I, I, I hope you find I, this I funny. Do, I do, I'm already <laughs> not finding you know, funny but, at all. Um, is that when? Robbie, Robbie, when Robbie drinks, oh he's a little bit insufferable. You're a little bit insufferable. I'm very insufferable. And you, when he drinks a lot, he's a lot insufferable. Yes. And me and Robbie have gotten into a lot of quarrels when he would drink <laughs> and I would get high. And uh, lots of them. Yes. Because I also needle him and I needle his wife. And oh, I'm like a God. Dick, you know? you're, you're also a dick. I know. I'm a dick. I know. I know. <laughs> you're such a dick. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> you fucking kill me. Anyway, so at the, at the wedding... And I got to the wedding late, um, but apparently before I got to the wedding, Robbie had made this proclamation one night going out that whenever they go out, there better be lots of toasts in his honor. <laughs> so whenever people are drinking around I, him, yes, I, he demanded yes. toasts. Yes, I so, demanded some fucking toasts, and I was totally drunk when I so 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 when we were we were writing the song about Robbie and Annie, and. Uh, 
And I guess one of the lines, we, the idea was that you raped us with toasts. Oh, so so the original that. line in the song oh, is, because there was a pig roast. Terrible. It's hysterical. <laughs> there was a, the, 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 the party, Robbie roasted a pig to serve. So the line was, we'll have a pig roast. And then Devin said, we'll make some rape toasts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. But we changed it, we'll make a big toast. Okay. But it's very funny. It's very funny. It's, it's very, very funny. funny. Especially, it's all in good fun. Yeah. You know, and everyone loves you. Are you kidding yeah. me? It's just, it's very funny yes. to be raped by those. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. Anyway, so what? So the first time you took Adderall, does this bother you? No, you, no, okay. no. The first time you took Adderall, uh, what was it like? So, I mean, we were drunk. We, you know, it's kind of, it kind of distills your ego. But it also kind of, it's like going, getting on a train that's going, but not like a, not like um, cocaine. Like cocaine, you feel like, I wrote this because we had done, I had done cocaine at your house with Todd and we'd done it in the afternoon. And I remember what it felt like. It felt like you were on an express train or maybe like Coney Island cyclone. It's like a on the track and it's kind of rickety and it's like super, and it kind of feels like it's going like, like so fast that like the train is going to fall off. But when you are on Adderall, it's super like smooth, like a focused. Yeah. It's gliding and you're going forward. So, I so I'm going to finish the, some of this story, which is like okay, well, you know, I went to grad school to get my degree in creative writing, and it was it's still very hard for me to finish like anything. It, it, it took me it took me ten years to get my college degree because I had one <laughs> and it wasn't like a class; it was a fucking credit. It was one credit. I was short. But there's psychological like, issues there's that men, were not I am, ADD based. I am very touched. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, that, what's the uh, deep psychological? Oh, severe mental illness. <laughs> SMI. SMI. No, we're all I, SMI. We are you all know? SMI. And I miss, I, I mean, that was a joke. You want to, in my own SMI, it's like when I used to make fun of Chris and tell him he was SMI, you know, it was like the funniest thing because, like, I, I feel SMI. All the time. And then at some point we stopped saying it and we got an email about SMI and I was so possessive about who came up with what. I had forgot that I came up with it on the show and I was like, I don't want to talk about that anymore because I didn't. I was like, I was just. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm just crazy. You, you bogarted. You were like, that's my term? No, no. I thought that like it, someone else had come up with it, and I didn't want to revisit it because it wasn't a funny thing that I had made. But it turned, <laughs> it turned out it was a funny thing that I had made. That's how crazy I am. Do you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Like I felt left out of my own joke because like, I'm so fucking SMI. So... Anyway, uh, back well, to SMI. You okay. understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> okay. yes. It's classic me stupidity, you know? <laughs> so... I really, um, I do well with Adderall. I mean, I feel very strange about it because, um, because. So you took uh, it abusively. Yeah. And then, and then how many, did you, did you get it often after that? No, no, actually that was the only time I had it. And that's why it was so crazy. So if any of the people who are at my bachelor party and my wedding, if any of you are listening. This is a great confession. Yes. I I apologize that night when we were um, uh, visiting all the strip clubs and I was so 
crazed with ego. And I was also, I was totally bridezilla. I was groomzilla. Yeah. I was totally, I didn't, I hadn't. You're very nervous. I was very nervous. It's scary stuff. And it was, it was like lots of planning and like, and he had a year to plan, but I lived through things and there was like, it was so much pressure and so many people were saying, oh, just do what you want to do. Just, this is your day. And they literally, they were saying the things that they would say to brides. They were saying, don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. And I was, but my ego was like, I'm going to do like, and then when you put a drop of Adderall on that, it's like, I literally, we, we stopped for food, but because I had the Adderall, I didn't need to eat. And so I was, I like ate half or like a few bites of a burrito in a, in a, like a restaurant. And then I said, I literally threw it down and I said, I want to go, let's go. And I was a dick. You know, I was a, like it's, a, it's, like a crazy. The best piece, you know, the like, best detail that I heard. <laughs> the best detail besides the rape toast, which I, uh, I, like, I, I couldn't get, I couldn't I, get enough. I, I, I literally <laughs> couldn't get enough of that joke. No. But the best detail that I heard, and I really could relate, you know, to this detail, was that they decided to go to strip clubs that night. And when I say strip clubs, they decided to go to a strip club. But they went to the strip club, and we and never. We went, we went to four. We never went to strip clubs as as young men or no. as kids or. Anything. We no. never did any of that stuff. We never. Um, but so they went to the strip club, and uh, and I was like, oh, how was that? And they were like, well, we went to four. And I was like, well, why did you go to four? And he goes, and what I think Dave said, Dave was like, because Robbie didn't feel like the strippers fell in love with him and the other three. And Robbie would go to the strip club, and, and he would look at the stripper in the eye, and the stripper wouldn't give him the love eye. And Robbie's like, we're out of here. we got to get to the next one. It's true. It's, it's true. I want to be like, you go to a strip club because it's like, it's just it's not real but it, it's a, it's like a game it's a it's it's acting it's total acting and you, but you want, want you those want strippers to, to act like yeah. they love you, <laughs> yeah, it's, you. It's, a, nah, it's a show yeah and it's a great show it's it's fun um i can't believe i'm telling this this is terrible why? What no, 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 this is tell? great. What no, did you great. tell? What no, no, did you no, tell? No, no. Dude, people call in and they're fucking shooting coke and killing people. <laughs> I don't even know what we called and said they killed people. But you took a little Adderall and you wanted some strippers to fall in love with you. It's a total, total, okay. it's a pretty innocent dopey story, really, isn't uh, it? Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Here, I want to switch gears for a second because uh, whenever anybody comes on the show that knows me or knows any of us, uh, I always want to like, you know, Rami never met Chris. But uh, Robbie did spend a lot of time with Todd, and um, it just me. It, I know, Todd loved you. Like he always was. Like he was so happy when you'd come around, and like just you know, I don't know. Like I feel like I didn't spend enough time with anybody after Todd died. I mean, Linda knew Todd really well, but there. I just I feel like there's it was such a loss. Um, I don't even know why I'm bringing it up, but I just. What did you think when you heard about that, the end, Todd dying? Well, um, I called you right away. I think I left a message or said like... I think I spoke to you. Yeah. So uh, Todd, Todd was such a sweet, sweet guy. Um, and he was so sweet and so lost. He was a sweet and noble fuck up. Yeah, yeah. And it was really kind of beautiful fuck up kind of like that you don't make beautiful fuck ups like Todd. So and there was a there was a beautiful way that you two worked together. So the, here's the thing is that you could you could hear it in in the way that Chris 
and Davey related to one another. Davey loves to partner with people. Davey like deeply partners, like in a deep way, like marriage, like partnership, partnership. You could feel that with your relationship with Chris. That's how I do. I'm a collaborator. Yeah. And so, and like I would, so when Davey introduced himself to me in, in kindergarten, kindergarten, it it was the, like we were partnered for a very long time up until probably around 11 or 12 or 13, somewhere in there. I would say, I would say seventh grade. Yeah. So, um, Todd was one of your deep life partners and okay, so this was amazing. It's a very it was, gay way to put it, but I'm with you. You were so you. I mean, here's talk well, about we'll say hetero life partners. <laughs> talk about this. So it was it's in the little apartment in Chelsea. So there's only one room. Was there even a bedroom? No, it was just one. There was room. a changing room, like a tiny room in the back. Yeah, and so it was just this one room. And uh, Davy, uh, <laughs> Davy, and I walk in. And uh, Todd is there in his place underneath. Like, he wasn't underneath the kitchen table. That's, but, where, like, that's where he claimed he was going to live, <laughs> was underneath the kitchen table. But he was hanging out. And Davey comes in and is like, Todd, what the fuck? I can't fucking believe this. Like, I go home. I, 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 I'm out there all day, and I'm working, and I'm working to, to bring home, like, food <laughs> for this house and, like, money for this house, and you can't even fucking clean up. You're <laughs> such a piece of shit. And, like, and then, and like, Todd would, like, <laughs> play, the, play, like, the, what do you mean? What do you mean clean up? Look what I did. I did the dishes. Like, and it was, it was an amazing scene. That they would play for each other, um, and they would, you know, every move, every line that they would say to one another was full of joy, and they would amp each other up. So, like Todd was a one upper, and he would he had a way <laughs> of smiling and leaning in, and like smiling with his voice and raising his eyebrows. And if you ever see Davy, Davy also raises his eyebrows. And so like they would raise each other's eyebrows like and, past like, our heads. Yeah, like, and it was all. And then it also became coupled with drugs. You know, it was like we we would do that. We we had a million cues for like let's get drugs. You know what I mean? It was just looks, and then it was like we do these hand gestures like that were just like because when it became when it became heroin, it became like demented in the beginning because it was like we weren't junkies, we were just like stoners who wanted to do dope, and we would call this guy to come over. So whenever we wanted to get high, we would like make a phone with our hands and like look at each other with this crazy face and hold the phone up to our head and like. It was very like this innocent, joyful, mischievous thing that got turned turned like, into like life threatening illness. Turned poisonous. Yeah. Well, it killed him. Yeah. yeah. This thing that started as this game wound up killing him. Yeah. You know. And it was very one upsmanship. Like you would not back down, and he would not back down. Yeah. Like both of you, but you would both like smile, both with your eyes and with your faces, and you would tell each other. And like you would push each other, and, and like like you know curse at each other, and like um, I feel like I, that was the only like I you know I I think I mostly did drugs by myself, you know, like in my life. Except you know, I mean, when I was in college and stuff, I did drugs with that little group of people, and I did drugs with DK. You're talking about hard drugs, yeah, yeah. Um, but but I'm talking about really all drugs. Like I did them. 
in that little pocket of college to a few years after college where people would get together and get high. But after that, like, I didn't do heroin. I did heroin with, like, random people that I knew at the methadone clinic. I did heroin with random people that I would meet when we copped. Like, I would have little, like, weird friendships there. But I never did drugs. I did drugs alone. You know what I mean? Like, I would do drugs in my house by myself, you know, forever. Like, I wasn't... I mean, Jenny, like when I was with uh, a partner or a girlfriend, like it was it was very rare that I did drugs with them, you know. But Todd, uh, I did drugs with, you know what I mean? Like and he was like the only person that I did drugs like that with. And um, which is why, like when Chris and I started doing Dopey, like it was very important that Todd be on the show like I wanted Todd to get clean so badly because it would be so funny to have him clean on the show because he's just so fucking funny and like it never worked out and um, so Todd was on the show high a bunch you know what I mean and then you know he died before Chris did and like there was just like a and and I don't know a piece of me definitely died with Todd you know like a piece of me definitely when I heard that Todd died. Like, I got angry, and then, like, an hour later, I was just hysterical in the backyard, and, and, like, my daughter, like, saw me and, like, freaked her out. You know, it's just, like, there was a piece of... uh, Your childhood? Yeah, it was, like, because Todd and I were just, like, I wasn't... I didn't have a friendship like that with anybody where I was willing to just really fuck everything up. You know what I mean? Like, Like, I was with him. Like, none of our friends were like that in the slightest, you know, and I had no friends... Other friends. Todd was like a dumbass in a million ways. He did like shit so stupid and it just appealed to me. Like his his stupidity. It, it really I found it so appealing. Um, I really did. And I loved getting stupid with him. And I loved making fun of him for being an idiot too. But like he was And he actually loved getting made fun of. He was hysterical though too. Like the shit he would do was yeah. just fucking hysterical. Um but it's just interesting, you know, like you experienced it. You did coke with him. You got drunk with him a bunch of times. You smoke. Robbie never was good with weed. Weed yeah, always weed, made Robbie weed, crazy. Weed is like, you know, there, there are certain drugs that are doorways, you know, like Alger Huxley says, you know, but like I, even past like perception, but like doorways to other like other universes and shit. Yeah. When Robbie, do, when Robbie does drugs, <laughs> oh, those doors open up. You know, hold on, though. Hold on. Before we go into any of them, I'm going to read an email. I'm going to do some dopey business because we'll never get to anything. I just know that's going to happen. All right. Um, Here, you read it. Let's start with this one. Okay, this is uh, on February 14th. Um, Valentine's Day. So, hi, Dave. I just love your podcast. Like some of your other female listeners, my drug stories aren't very fun. Most of them just involve me acting like a complete scumbag to the people in my life. I guess there was a time, um, there was the time when I did coke and ecstasy for three days straight while on antidepressants so that I ended up becoming psychotic and having a drug-induced outburst of my school and my doctoral program in front of my classroom, classmates and professors. Um, After shouting crazy things at everybody, I ran out of the building, jumped in my car and drove away. On my drive, I was so whacked out of my mind, I couldn't even manage to drive in a straight path on the interstate without getting lost. I thought people were trying to kill me, and I threw all my jewelry out the window because I heard voices coming through it. At one point, I thought, I'm speeding, I better slow down, only to look at my odometer and realize I was going like 30 miles per hour on the interstate. 
Thankfully, I ended up in a safe place that day with people who cared about me because I eventually collapsed in convulsions and had to be rushed to the ER with serotonin syndrome. See, I told you my stories weren't fun. The good news is I did eventually get that doctorate. I know everyone gets different things out of your podcast, but what it gives me is an outlet to reminisce about all those days because even though they may not make me proud, it still amounts to 20 years of my life, 20 years of abusing drugs and alcohol, 20 years that I have now kept walled, um, uh, that I now have to keep walled off from all the normal, well-adjusted people in my current circle. Right. I can't exactly talk about drugs with the other moms at my kids' school. No. But I can put on Dopey and feel like I am back with all the old characters from my past. I have a lot of shame, but you are slowly making me realize not to let it hold me back. That I don't have to crumple up the old me and throw it into the fire and permanently erase her from my memory, but rather to embrace my history as I move forward. So thank you for that. Anyway, stay strong and stay dopey and toodles. Don't say who it says. What's his name? Aaron. Oh, you can say Aaron. Yeah. So that's a fucking deep letter. Yeah, beautiful letter. It's a beautiful letter. Robbie almost started crying. I could, yeah, feel, I could feel, I could exactly. feel it happening. <laughs> she's, she's got, you know, she's got this great sensibility about um, releasing her shame. Like that's one thing that Dopey does. It allows people to be who they are, and it respects them, um, and it doesn't judge them. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful, important thing. Well, when we started doing the show. The idea was like to do a funny podcast. Like that was the idea. Like it, nothing else mattered. Like to me. Like I, I, I loved the Howard Stern show. I loved Artie Lang on the Howard Stern show. And I knew that when Artie told drug stories, it was fucking funny, especially as an addict. Like I just knew, like because I knew what was happening. Like I knew Artie had a drug pro- had a, like a an opiate problem before he came out with it because you could just hear it. And I just I had this feeling that if we had a show about. Uh, about drugs and drug stories, it would be funny. And Chris was like this major league storyteller. Like Chris has like the dopiest stories ever. He also has this very undopey ability to remember things. Like he could remember things that like like he would tell stories where he was in a blackout, but he could remember every detail. Like and that's just a fucking like crazy, 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 crazy uh, ability, and I wanted to to take advantage of it, and uh, and I wanted to showcase it. We'll say take advantage of it. Sounds so sorry. <laughs> Sounds terrible. I wanted to showcase it, and and Chris was like major, 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 major funny, major talent. But once we did a few episodes, I realized that what we were doing, like I, I and I said it on the show, was that being a drug addict, it reminds me of Harry Potter that. There are all these. You used to say this. You there are all these wizards running around, and 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 the Muggles don't know about it, and the Dopey Nation are all a bunch of wizards running around, and nobody knows about it, and that's what Aaron's thing says. It's like we all did the dumbest shit and survived it. Who survived it? You know, yeah. the people who didn't survive it. It's not funny, no. and the people who are still struggling out there. It's not funny, but for us. You know, is that fucked up? I don't know. I feel like pangs of guilt when I talk about it, and it makes me think of Chris. But, like, that was the point. Like, Chris and I were in recovery, and we could laugh at the dumb shit we did because we had survived it, and we were trying to help the next person. And, like, that's what the Dopey Nation is about to me. 
You know what I mean? And then it's about somebody else who's struggling and hears that somebody like me who I loved getting high. Like, I loved getting high. I hated how I felt. Like, I, I was very insecure, uh, overly anxious person. And, um, you know, very quickly when I started smoking pot, I realized that that was going to be an amazing medicine for me. Like, when I started smoking pot, I realized that I, I love to get stoned and I wanted to be stoned always and I, and I was stoned always. You know what I mean? As soon as I started smoking pot, like in college, I didn't stop smoking pot until I was 40, you know? Um, and then as pills and heroin, I mean, cocaine, I didn't like because I'm so fucking fast inside naturally that I'm like, what am I taking cocaine for? I didn't go faster. I felt like I felt the cocaine inside me was slower. Like I was like, I don't like this feeling. But with heroin, I was like, this is fucking perfect. I don't have to feel pain. I don't have to worry. I don't have Mm -hmm. to give a fuck about anything. And I was like, and I was, and I was also at a successful moment in my life when my addiction started. I was, I was a producer and a host on a TV show. And I was like, in my mind, I was the man. I was like, I'm like fucking Lou Reed, you know. But I wasn't. I was like this bullshit producer at this tiny place. But in my head, I was very important and very, like, I, I thought I was like Miles Davis and John Lennon. That's really what I thought, <laughs> you know. And um, and it took me about, and, and those guys couldn't survive heroin. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. But, well, this is, okay, so <clears throat> this is this is a story that I've told you that I that I remember telling you. I think I was on the phone with you one day. Uh, it was after the time when you had fallen through the glass, like um, fallen onto the, the either the glass table or the bong or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you were having like... I had uh, a major seizure yeah. and I fell out of my loft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, onto the glass bong on the table. That yeah, was the story. Yeah. yeah. I still have like chunks of me that are not in me anymore. <laughs> I, I remember though um, in those moments and in those days where I was just like, oh, Davey's going to die. Um, Davies and I had to actually let go of you in this really like sad, and that's really, I, you know, I was a really sad way. I actually don't know if you, I made you a little like wooden box with a Buddha. No, it was actually with a spaceman in it. Like I, I just thought of this, you know, it was just like this black box with this blue rim, and then I had like we pasted a like a spaceman. And it was almost like a little ceremonial coffin. That but, was what you made me? Was that your plan? No. No, no. I didn't. I, you know, I've never given it to you. But you could, you know, I could give it to you. But it's like, it reminded me of Major Tom, you know, sure. like floating away in the yes. tin can. Yes. And yes. it just, like, but I had to let go of you because I thought that you were going to go. And it was so sad. But I still was with you. And I still, like, loved you. And I loved, I loved you then. But I just had to, there was a part of me that knew you... You thought I was going to die. Yeah. And a bunch of you thought I was going to die. Was yeah. that, like, disgust? No, I, uh, no. But, I mean, I don't think, I don't think we could, we, I don't think that we could cop to that in a way. We couldn't square with that. But there were times when, like, because I couldn't, it was, it was also after the time you were like, I'm going to go shoot dope. And you started to, like, like, you know, put your, the tourniquet on. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't want to see that. And I said, you know, like if you're going to, cause I don't, I don't, I never judged you, but I was like, I don't want to see that. I don't uh-huh. want to be involved with that going in the other room. Uh-huh. Like that's, that's like, it was terrible to me. 
Um, and then that's when I, after that, those moments I like had to let you go. But here's the thing that I want to say to you is that that's an unfortunate story. <laughs> sorry, but I always said that if there was anybody who could live through that, it is you because you are so smart, you are so cagey, you are so. Um, uh, I said that you are Odysseus. You tied yourself to the mast. You like, and you know, like I went to see the monsters. Yeah, yeah. And you could hear, you heard them singing because you wanted to hear them sing, and you heard them sing, and then like, you know, uh, you know, lesser people wouldn't even have known how to do that, but you did. I didn't know how to do it, and and like, and it's only just luck. That uh, that I didn't get killed on the on the journey. It was only luck. It wasn't my caginess. You know what I mean? They, I mean, it wasn't like anybody's lack of caginess that kills them. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't my caginess that saved me. It was like, you know, I don't like to say it, but it was like beyond my ability to stay alive and not to die or whatever. You know, like when I when I um, when I made it out of it. You know, like I, I was miserable. You know what I mean? When I made it out of all of that stuff, I was miserable for a long time and I kept going back. You know, every, like I never got clean for very long. You know what I mean? Like when we would talk for a few days and I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm back. You know what I mean? And I, and I would, I would, I would want to talk to you and like reignite who I was actually supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like I went to a meeting the other day and I shared about this. It's like when I was young, I did drugs and I thought I was doing drugs to feel better. And, and I thought when I wasn't going to do drugs anymore, I would be deprived, you know, mm-hmm. of, of what I wanted to do. But it turns out that drugs really deprived me of myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm not deprived to not do drugs. Now I get myself, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. in that period, I was really scared of myself. I wasn't comfortable uh-huh. with myself and all that kind of stuff. So like now I get to be sober and I get to enjoy Myself, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and like, and I, I never could do that uh, for a long time, you know. And so, like, the point, the point of the story from the beginning was that the idea of dopey became for anybody who's still struggling is that you can get out of the struggle and enjoy yourself. Like that's that's possible, you know. I was addicted to heroin for I don't know anywhere between ten and fifteen years, depending on how you really keep track of the time, and um, and I didn't think I was ever going to be happy without it. And now I definitely am happier than uh, I ever thought I could be. So that's my big, my big uh, sobriety message today. <laughs> well, I mean, here's here's another thing that I'm you you fucking work really hard, um, like in your life. You are a fucking hard ass worker. You like nothing. And you were working hard at being a, a drug addict. Yeah, yeah. You worked hard at being a drug addict. I did. And but I think most not, drug addicts have to. No, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's yeah. like a, like you. But here's the thing: is that you turned it around and worked hard at um, sobriety, and you hard at recovery, and you lived into the life that you really wanted. So that whole story. One thing: uh, the, the magic about your story is when, when I. It, came up when I was listening to Linda and Linda was like, no, like (laughs) she was like, you know, she, you were like, you single mindedly were like, I am going to like get Linda back. And you made that like this deep, deep mission. Yeah. This raison d'etre, this like fucking reason for being. And you know, like Eli, Eli Weisel, you know, like, you know, who wrote the book night he was like, you can't, you can't live 
through the Holocaust without having a reason to li- you like all the the people who didn't have reasons they would die like but I didn't just to be totally totally honest and truthful I did it not to get Linda back I did it because I was so scared of being not a father. Yes. You know, like the idea of not being a father, not being able to, to see Nora when I wanted to not be able to, to have her see me all fucked up. Like that was anathema to me. Yeah. Like, and then like, my lazy brain, because I'm a hard worker, but I'm also like very lazy. <laughs> and my lazy brain said, "Well, do I want to get a new family, or do I just want to like fucking fix my old one so I don't have to have two fucking families?" It just seemed like a bad idea. Like it seemed not economically sound. And like, and Linda wasn't into it forever. And I was like, and I would say to her, Lynn. It's like, what's the difference if it's me or somebody else? I mean, we're all basically the same. So why don't you just pick me and we don't have to worry about like some other dude and some other fucking kids and another woman and all this stuff. And she like ignored that. (laughs) And then I was like, I guess it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? But I said, but I have to, I have to get my shit together. And that's no reason to get your shit together. You know, I tried to get my shit together infinite times. Yeah. But this time... The real thing that changed in me was I got so I was so desperate to hold on to the weed, mm-hmm. like it was like, and and here I am on the phone with with Linda, so desperate to hold on to the weed that I had started taking benzos again, which I loved. You know, it's like if you really had to boil down a drug of choice for me now, like if I took heroin, I would like I'd be vomiting the whole time. I, I, last time I took heroin, it was a terrible experience because I hadn't done it for years. I'm sure I told you that story. I've told this story on the show a million times where, like, I, I was dating somebody who who would bring me pills and she would bring me benzos oh, yeah. and she would bring me uh, painkillers, opiates, Percocet, Vicodin, whatever, and she'd bring me cookies and ice cream and stuff, and it was really fun. And I would take, like— Did a, you meet her on Tinder? Like, did you? No, meet? I met her on a different waiting, a dating website. <laughs> I can't. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and I would see her like did once you, a month. Wait, have you ever told the story of like what you would do? Like, no, no. <laughs> you definitely have to tell that story. Which story? The hand the story, on hand? Yeah, the hand on hand. I, yeah, I told, yeah, me and Chris <laughs> used to talk about hand on hand. Um, but um, so fucking, what was I going to say? I know, um, yeah. So once a month she would come down and we would like hang out and she'd bring me like a handful of pills, you know, and I would take and I would take the pills for a few days and then she would leave. And and this was happening for many months, you know, and uh, we're talking about like seven, six years ago or something. Um, and uh, I started taking she would bring clonopins and Xanax and she'd bring Percocets and Vicodins. And I would, I started to take the, just the Percocets and I would take them all at once. And if you're a dope fiend, you know, if you haven't done dope in a long time, Percocet, you know, it hits you and you're like, it kind of wets your whistle like for heroin. And you're like, I was just like, mm, I kind of want to feel dope again, you know? And it was like Christmas, you know, I want to say between five and seven years ago. I don't know. Maybe at this point, maybe it was seven years ago. I don't know. Um, I was at work. And I called up my old drug dealer, my old dope dealer, who Todd was, like, best friends with. Todd would, like, hang out at his house with his kids and, like, play video games with them. And I was like, dude, I need some dope, but I'm not going over there to cop. He lived in, like, public housing, like, above a methadone clinic. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. I was like, I'll pay, I'll give you, I'll pay for cab fare. 
uh, I'll buy whatever you want. Uh, bring me needles. You know what I mean? And uh, and he's this Dominican guy with not like a real tooth in his head. All like grilled, crazy. He had rings on every fucking finger, and when he'd fist bump you, it would hurt really bad. <laughs> and uh, and he comes to my house, and he's like, uh, he's like, listen. He's like, you have to buy the whole bundle, and I was like, all right, whatever. And I, and I gave him a hundred. I gave him a hundred bucks. He sold me the bundle for seventy. I gave him twenty for the cab fare. I think I gave him five for the needle. I was just like, I didn't care. I had money. I was like, I'll pay for it, whatever. Um, and he pulls out a pistol in my apartment, and he's like, oh yeah, people are fucking with me. And he puts it on the table, and I'm like, oh man, what, <laughs> like, what, what am I getting to? And uh, so I, I like, I, I put. You were it, alone by this point. You were like. In yeah, I was alone? I was living on East Broadway. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the second apartment uh, between. Remember, I lived on Grand Street, and then I moved across the street. I don't think you. Yeah, when we did that song, where we did uh, uh, all those songs, we did. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm there, and um, and he pulls out this dope. If you get caught yeah. between the yeah, moon yeah, and yeah. Yeah. it was amazing. One of the best moments of my life is that video. Seriously, um, <laughs> so uh, I shot a bag, and I was like. I was like, this shit is garbage, man. I was like, this is, this is no good. I hadn't even done dope in a long time. And he goes, he goes, all right, well. And I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot two more. And I put two more uh, bags in the spoon, and I shot the two other bags. And I, and I was like, and I got fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, I should have waited for the first one to hit me or whatever. I don't know. I got way fucked up. And I just started throwing up, and I was up all night. Uh, and I felt like I was being raped by the devil because it was not like a fun time. Mm. It was just like sick and it was too strong. Like dope is like if you don't do dope, it's like really strong. You know, you feel like there's like you're there's this thing inside of you pushing to get out. Like it was just very uncomfortable. And that was the last time I did it. And it was not pleasurable. And I, and I remember being like, that's cool that heroin isn't pleasurable for me at this point. And I remember the first time I had to condition myself to do dope. Like I got nauseous on it, but you, it's like smoking cigarettes. I had to condition myself to, to like it. And what a crazy thing to condition yourself to like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all of this stuff, I want you well, to it's tell. Well, like, it's like, con- like conditioning yourself to drink. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's terrible. Tell the, um, that story. <laughs> oh no. So we were at camp. This is Davey's first time drinking. He had never really drank before. So, you know, I I had drank like... No, tell the whole Trails End thing. Yeah, well, you know, like I drank some like wine coolers or whatever. And um, Davey had never really drank at all. And so we How were, old were we? we 15, were, 16? Yeah, this was the end of... Uh, 10th grade, 11th grade? No, it must have been 9th grade, the summer of 9th grade. I still have that that, that shirt. shirt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, fuck you, Trails End Camp. You people are <laughs> so fucking Dude, hustlers and like... I hope Trails End like, Camp oh, doesn't listen to do uh, it. Jeez. Well, Rob Gallucci... Uh, pardon my French. Um, I don't know who that is. That's the guy. Oh, man. He was one of the, like, you rolled up on him, like, when you were delivering weed. And you were like, oh, hey, you're Rob. And, like, he was one of the guys from. Uh, he one was, of the waiters? Yeah, one of the waiters who was, like, a senior. He was essentially a senior, like, camper that that was, like, waiting alongside us. Um, and they would pay everybody money, but, like, they would only pay money to um, people who, like, would check off these certain things, and you they wouldn't... It was a hustle. So they, they essentially docked pay if you didn't do something. Like what? 
like there was this big rubric where they would check off these things. And so they would pay their senior like campers to be there. And, and they didn't pay us. And they didn't pay us. And it was terrible. So we worked for a summer, and this is the end of the summer. And like, like, like so. Before you we even say this, a- I want to say this. My whole childhood, I was forced to go to summer camp where my parents worked. And I. And, and but you our, loved it. No, I you did not. You loved Camp Merriman. I did. Uh, you, no, you I didn't. You say all these wonderful things. And I think I was just. You, you, I was you just got everyone. I, you got to go? Wait. What are you going to do? Well, what's going on? We're just talking about Merrimack. I didn't Wait. love it. Here, just say hello and goodbye then. I have to go to work. I mean, these two characters are busy doing nothing here, but I have to go to work. <laughs> I've known Alan for uh, you know most of my life. He is one of the most caring, loving, right, funny human beings. I just want to say, I just wanted to say something. Good. What, what if you love Alan, and you have a very, you, have, you should be right to love Alan. Love now, what, just you got to do something. You should have told me you had to go. Uh, what do you have to say about the show? Today's show? No. Have you been listening to this? Yeah, I was not happy with that last story. You Which just, one? Uh, you uh, with uh, heroin. The heroin. No, that's awful. You, I, I've uh, told you that story. It's awful. Well, no, talk about last. Why don't you talk about last week's show with Jamie Lee Curtis and Sam? Oh, that was great. She was terrific. Jamie Lee Curtis was on the show. You obviously yeah. don't listen to the show. I do. Are you serious? He's obviously not. A, okay. Not a member of the Dopey Nation. <laughs> I listen, but I don't. I got yeah, not, Jamie Lee Curtis is on. The show. I, it's weird. She was, she was great. Absolutely great. She called in. No, yeah, she called in. That's called. amazing. All right, that's like you want. Here, you want to read the negative Jamie Lee Curtis I, email? Let's no, do that. I, no, I'm not reading that. I love negative emails. Well, like they're my favorite. Read, I don't have my glasses. You're, that's what you wanted to say. And say goodbye. Do it. Do your thing. Oh. Uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. That's it? Right. And, oh, yes, that's it. All right, goodbye. You don't say toodles for Chris? <laughs> I don't say toodles. I know. Toodles for Chris. You don't like toodles? <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, all right. This is an email from a woman who uh, named Nora, spelled with Bye, an H. Alan. Okay, you want to hear that before you go? Hey, Dave, my name is Nora, and I'm an OMG gimme addict. Oh, my God, gimme addict. Oh, my God, gimme. Oh, my God, gimme. Do you know what what is that? Oh, my God, gimme. It's a thing? I have no idea what that is. With a few years of sobriety here and there, just my two cents on how the podcast is going. Chris was right that the best guests are normal addicts. Stop with the finding the celebrities, although if you could get Robert Downey Jr. on, I'd listen. (laughs) I can't even listen to the Jamie Lee Curtis episode. She's annoying and not hardcore or even real. That shit was an act. I love this. I'm sorry. I just love this kind of stuff. I also hate another guest you had. I think you lived in Panama with the prostitute story. I don't believe him either. I don't, I don't remember that one. But he was gross, even if it was a lie. Anyway, that's my feedback since you're always telling people to write in. I miss Chris and even Todd, and you're handling it so well. I've lost a few of my besties, and it almost killed me. It's a good thing you're not using... Drugs seem to elongate the pain of losing those we love, although much of that elongation is cloudy. I hate addiction for the people I've lost and the suffering it causes, but it still doesn't stop me. Peace out and stay strong. What do you think? Uh, I guess everybody has their own opinions about things, right? I mean, that's where you can't, you can't know what people are going to like or not like, so you put on what you want to put on. 
Well, I, I, I just had to put Jamie Lee Curtis on because she's Jamie Lee Curtis and that whole thing oh. had happened years ago. And, and like, people lo- – like, Linda loved her story. You loved her story. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence on it uh, just because she wasn't, like, into, like, having a nice conversation, really. You know? I thought she was very moving and very real and very honest. Well, we're very – you know, I'm very grateful that she came on. And, uh, and I thought it was cool that she came on. I just love – Criticism like that, and speaking of criticism like that, don't. Where's your criticism? Don't you? Have, you normally you're the you have criticism. Well, I don't have any criticism because I gave it last week. What no, was your criticism last week? Oh, your sound, the sound quality. With poor Aurora is speaking to a phone, and you're trying to broadcast Aurora when it was so difficult to hear her. That was that was legitimate criticism, no? And you holding the microphone backwards and upside down and uh, and me commenting and you telling me I'm ruining the show by telling you to improve it. I mean, come on. Uh, that's... That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. The sound with Aurora was a technical problem based on having a board that wasn't good enough. So what are you going to do? Anyway, go have a good day at work. All right. Goodbye. Okay. All right, my dad's gone. Uh, thank God. Um, and um but i want to get back to this camp thing and i just want to say for the record you can say whatever you want about camp we'll say m i didn't like it in fact i'll say this i liked it until i was four or five years old and then after that i just very much i mean maybe until i was 12 or something i don't know but i was very much an outcast there and it was the only you know in in our life here in manhattan in our school like, I was cool. You know, I was, like, part of everything. I was, like, popular and liked. And at that camp, I was, like, the nerd that I actually was. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, I was not athletic. And I was not, like, from Long Island. And I was a weirdo. And, like, that was the only place that reminded me that I wasn't cool and popular and stuff. Wow. You know what I'm I saying? I never knew that. I thought you loved it. I mean, no. I grew up no. with the stories of... You, you know, like in a sunfish, you know, like sailing off of the dock. Like I liked all that stuff. I liked all that stuff. I liked all that stuff. And as we got older, like I became more and more outcast. But I was outcast from the guys because I wasn't an athlete and uh it was an athletics camp. Mm -hmm. And then when we hit like puberty, I just wasn't like one of the cool people then. You know, although I did. I remember I did get some action. I remember. You remember that? No. I remember. Uh. I remember this well, and I, I shouldn't say this on the show, but I'm going to. I got my first hand job at that summer camp <laughs> while we were watching Goodwill Hunting. Or no, yeah, I think Goodwill Hunting at the movies. No, Is that possible? Well, no, impossible. Because Goodwill Hunting came out when we were in like college. No, then it was. Uh, was one of those kinds of movies. Oh, no, it was Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Sorry. It was another Robin Williams movie. It was Dead Poets Society. Was that, was that around yeah, the right yes, time? Yes, yes, yes. And, and afterwards, I think in the movie theater, I called you to tell you <laughs> that it happened. Like from a payphone? Yeah, from the payphone <laughs> in the movie theater. I remember that. In New Hampshire. <laughs> You're not going to believe what just happened. Um, anyway. Yeah, it was not Goodwill Hunting. I was 25 when that came out. Um, We're going to tell the story about Trails End Camp? No, but so I just want to make it clear that I was outcast at Camp Merrimack. I'm sorry for all the Camp Merrimack people. You shouldn't listen to Dopey either. 
Um, <laughs> and then my parents needed to send me away. You got to enjoy the city in the summer forever, and I was super jealous of are that. You t- what are you talking about? I remember like a summer, an entire summer when I just stayed home watching Reading Rainbow because there was there like my parents didn't do anything until Lightsy wasn't around to like take me around and like I do know. amazing. You stuff. would I would go to Robbie's at the end of June, and me him and his sister would be lying on the couches arguing about what movie to go to to get out of the heat. <laughs> yeah, you know I remember yes. that, but I always thought that was so cool. You know what I mean? Anyway, so um, that summer, Mer- like I finally convinced my parents I didn't want to go back to, to the other camp in New Hampshire, Merrimack, and and somehow somebody sprung fucking trails end on us. Yeah, and it was and there, there, there was a there was they came over to here. Yeah, to to this house. And they showed to us. To sh- they showed this like slide show of Trails uh, End and how yeah. good it was, and uh, where you would be a camper slash waiter. We were camper waiters. We weren't very much campers though. All I no, remember we was waiter. No, we got to like we we had like an hour to go out and like hang out by the dock, and then you had to go back to the pit, like. You know, because there was three meals a day, and you had to serve them to all these, like, privileged kids. But do you remember this? You got to serve the little kids who liked you. I served the kids that were our age. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> terrible. They it, was the, it was the worst. No, you those little the, kids loved you. No, they loved me. They, they would always, they, they would sing, that like, our waiter is a slow waiter. You know, like. My <laughs> kids were, like, like, like hot girls and guys who would, like, spit on me. It was like a fucking Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I hated them. I hated them so much. Well, it and was the most amazing thing. It was me, Robbie, this kid we grew up with, Matt, Matt, and this kid that I went to camp with, Danny. And the four of us shared a room, and, like, we turned on each other, uh, and, and we each went in a different direction. Yeah. I don't know what Danny was doing. Danny was the most like everybody else. Danny was, like, close to being like them, but he was a weirdo, too. Matt, like, spent his days in arts and crafts making boxes. No! <laughs> shut up! You made a box, too! I know, I still I know, have that box. But, and Robbie, I would lie on a hill by myself every day, and I would listen to Abbey Road over and over again <laughs> by myself. Yeah. I would lie we out there. We wouldn't even hang out, no. no. I was, like, so depressed. And, I, and, and Robbie turned violent that summer. And, like, we started to play hockey. And Robbie oh, would, like, yeah. Robbie finally found a way to get back at these people. Oh. And he didn't, he didn't notice the puck or the stick. Oh, no, I just he, wanted to fucking check these fucking kids. He just found and they had he, to be yeah. careful of their fucking nose jobs. Like, I remember checking this one guy so hard. And then, like, they were like, oh. No way! Watch out for his nose. Like <laughs> it was great, and you were brutal. Oh, and that. Oh, that's when that little fucking that fucking annoying little prick. I hated this guy. I don't usually hate people, but I hated this little fucking guy. And I didn't know. I literally did not know how to play basketball. And so they put me on the court, and like, you know, they, like. All I heard was, you know, like I didn't, I literally didn't know how to play. So this guy was dribbling past me, and all I heard was, "You said, you said, stop that guy, stop that guy," and you knocked him down. <laughs> and so I ran up on him, and I put like I pulled my arm back, and I shoved as hard as I could in the middle of his back, so he went flying underneath the hoop because he didn't even notice me. I didn't know. I kind of like thought it was like You're like hockey. You can put your hands on it. Right? And then so like (laughs) and then he's like, what? And everyone 
was like, ah! And they were like, what the, what's going on? And he like pops back up as a little guy. He's a little fucking annoying guy. He was like, what's that annoying guy, the guy with the voice like, nah! I don't remember anything, oh, thank God. God. It, I, like, I literally, I don't remember a fucking thing. So he pops back up, and for some reason, I'm like, I look at him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, with my eyes, and I'm like, what are you going to do? And I hadn't, you know, like, and then he's like, ah! And he runs off. Um, he struck me out in softball, you know. That was his. That was, that his, was come his That was his comeuppance. But anyway, the point is that we were fucking hated, and the only oh, people we that kind of liked hated. us were the were the English kitchen staff. Yeah, I love Jatinda. Do you remember him? And the Irish guy. Yeah, the Irish guy. I, I love the Irish and, guy. And they invited us to their end of the year party. Um, at the end of the year, and like they invited just the freaky guys, which are us. Yeah, and we went, and we and we should have lived with them. We would have had a much better summer. But we wandered over there, and they were drinking, and um, and that we had a bottle of Absolute. You know, like everybody, you know, when you had a th- thing back in those days, the thing to have was a bottle of Absolute. And so here we are in the bunk, and like Davy's on the bottom uh, bottom bunk. And he's tipping back a bottle of Absolute. And, like, I know they were made screwdrivers. Yeah, I remember, oh, yeah, no, because you made didn't like you, you were like, ah, I don't like this taste. And then, no, at, at the end, you were tipping. Because I, I don't like, remember that. Oh, I totally God, blacked so, out. This is what happened. It's like, I was 15, like, 16. Yeah. And then you went up to me and you were like, Davy, Davy. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, Robbie, Robbie. Uh, and, you know, um, am I drunk enough? Am I drunk enough? And I was like, no, get him drunker. And then, like, tipping it back. I, like, drank, like, like the whole bottle. Like, yeah. I, I, like, drank to the point of, like... Yeah, and so you passed, you blacked out. And so we were... The craziest thing was that Alan drove us home the next day. I thought we took a bus back. No, Alan drove us home. And then you were, so, like, you were, like, turned green... And you were like, uh, you know, I'm not feeling well, Dad. And like, and, you know, as soon as you got out of the car, you puked. I, I can't believe that you held it together. Oh, we might have taken a bus. We took a bus. It was from. It was driving from the bus to, back to here. Back to here. But I. But what I, the thing that I remember is that we're in the English people's cabin or whatever the hell it was and it's a party like it was a party and i'm drinking literally glass after glass of 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 screwdriver and then i don't remember anything and i remember in our quarters you're holding me up in the shower and i'm in my just in my underwear and i'm just vomiting and i can't stop vomiting and like and you like saved my life i would have died yeah i would have i would have to roll you over like we had to roll you over because like yeah. I was just, and I remember. I even remember the pattern on my boxers. Like yeah. I was wearing these orange boxers with like yeah, lightning bolt things. I on remember them. that. Wow. And like, and I'm just vomiting and vomiting and vomiting. Oh, and like, that was that was tough. So the second that the out, al- I mean, like I go to I go to twelve step and I say that I'm an alcoholic and I, I like never drank. But the second the alcohol touched me, like I just I needed to. I just didn't stop drinking. You remember? I mean, like I yeah. like so like after that. I barely ever drank again. No, you never. You never drank. Well, I just hated the taste of alcohol, and I hated. I like being drunk. Like I like being fucked up, but I hated the 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 alcohol. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so when I found drugs, I was like, I don't have to worry about drinking anymore. Yeah. Because I, like, I was like, alcoholics say they're, they have an allergy to alcohol and they break out in handcuffs. Like, that's the expression. <laughs> but, like, I'm actually allergic to alcohol. Like, I get sick. Yeah. Like, and so, like, I needed drugs. Yeah. You know, but I, I find that story to be, like, this weird piece of my addict story. Yeah. That kind of, like, it, 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 it like, knocked you down one path instead of going down another path. Basically. So, here's the, there's the thing, like, so I do have a question for the Dopey Nation because, like, I, there have been points where I was, you know, like, drinking really heavily, you know. Um, so I've stopped that since. Um, but you drink casually. I drink casually now. Um, every I day. Do, <laughs> <laughs> I casually drink yeah. every day a lot. Now, the, there's moments in which, you know, I'll have a beer, like, a night. Um, but not, you know, not as of late, you know, and I can, you know, it goes on and off, but the, there were moments, I mean, like I got a DUI. I mean, like I could have had two DUIs, you know, at, when I went to, I went to school in Washington state into this very liberal school and like, you know, the, the people were, the cops were nice. I got, I got pulled over and I had to like touch my nose and everything. I had had like shots and everything like, um, it, it could have been, it could have gone that way, but they were like, "All right, you're fine. You can actually do this thing and you know walk the line and all that." But the, I I was pu- pulled over for another DUI because I was like swinging and I would drive regularly. Drive drunk. you're swinging swinging the car right left there. and right along the road. I almost hit a raccoon. I remember this. Um, I want you to tell the story of uh, of the mushrooms. Oh God! Uh, no, I'm going to save that for another day. That's why the, I love that story. I know because I can't tell it right. I don't. Why I'm going to because it's there's a, like I have it. I have that story down pat. Like it feels right the way I. So I'm a poet. Okay, so I you know I write things and if you, know, you couldn't tell, yeah. Robbie's a poet. <laughs> so I uh, I like the way that I wrote it down. I'm going to call it in one day. Just telling you, just telling you, I love to tell you the story in the way that I wrote it. I need to read this thing because if I don't read it, I'm going to kill myself. Go, go. You're not going to kill yourself. I mean, not literally, but I I just, I I put off this thing and it's just really important. Go. I was at work the other day, okay? Uh And, uh, And somebody comes up to me and they say, we have a package for you, uh, from UPS. And I'm like, for me? <laughs> and I get all excited. So I, I go over there and I open the package up and it's a pack of uh, socks, uh, uh. Simpson socks, because I guess somebody had heard the show and they heard that I liked fancy socks, which I really do. And I'm wearing uh, a pair of them right now. They're great. They're three-eyed fish socks. The, I mean, he gave me like 12 pairs of socks. I'm not going to say the guy's last name. Uh, I found the note on the other side of the thing, and I read it at work. His name is Tony. So thank you, Tony, for the socks. I'm going to read this because it's a very emotional, crazy letter. Mm -hmm. Uh, To Dave, hello, my name is Tony. I live in Anaheim, California. I'm writing you this letter because I listen to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shtick. Uh, I wanted to let you know uh, I love the podcast and I've been listening for about six months now. The reason I am also writing is to let you know that I'm an alcoholic and that I've been struggling with sobriety for about a year now. I had managed to stay sober for a year and a half but relapsed. Through my struggle, your podcast has kept me laughing on my long journeys to work and school and has been there for me when I felt alone. 
Yesterday, I found out my mother has colon cancer. Mm. And instead of thinking about myself, I finally thought about someone else. Mm. So now I'm going to get sober, not for me, but for my mother. I'm going to be the son I should have been years ago. I know your mother has passed away, unfortunately, and I was wondering if you could possibly speak on the podcast about it. Like, where were you in your recovery when you found out she was sick? How did you initially feel? That sort of stuff. If you feel comfortable talking about it. Anyway, thank you, and I hope you enjoy the socks. I heard the episode with Linda on how you wish you got fancy socks more often from your family. Uh, <laughs> stay strong for those of us. Uh, stay strong for those of us who feel weak at times. Uh-huh. Toodles for Chris. P.S. If you could let me know you got this, I didn't email this guy. Shit. Sorry, Tony. You're going to hear this on Friday. I'll, I'll write you today. If you could let me know you got the socks and letter, that would be great. I don't have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, but you can email me at this place, or you could text me here. And I didn't. Uh, didn't do that so i apologize for not reaching out yet but i am reading the the thing on the show today um and as for you know my experience around my mother's illness was um and i think i've talked about it on the show a few times but i'll talk about it again because it's obviously very meaningful uh i was on methadone and heroin and benzos and pot for a long time, you know, in California, in Los Angeles. And I was kind of like on a permanent vacation away from my family and my life. And um, I was there, I think, uh, I think I was there in total eight years and five or six of them I was on methadone and I was on a very high dose of methadone. I was on 150 milligrams, which is the highest dose they would give. And I was copying dope every day uh, before I would go to the methadone clinic and I was buying pills at the methadone clinic and I always had the three things like there was, and I always had weed. So I was always doing those four things every day. Um, and I found out my mom had leukemia and I kind of ignored it for a few months, maybe, maybe not. You know, I I remember finding out about it and kind of like being like, this isn't really going to happen and just kind of kept on with my life. And then as the testing got more uh, pronounced and they started to explore different uh, potential treatments for her, I realized that it was actually happening and that it was real. And I also realized that there was no way that I could go home uh, with this methadone habit. You know, the method, I was not going to transfer clinics. You know what I mean? Like that, I wasn't going to do that. You know, I, I thought I had lost my life to methadone. It's very rare that people get out of methadone at all. And, uh, I had to go home. You know what I mean? I just, I had to go home and see my mother before she died. I had to live at home and be as a part of my mother's life as I could before she died. And I could, you know, I didn't know that I could give up drugs, but I knew I had to get off methadone. You know, that was, that was my plan. So I, I started talking to my girlfriend, like we have to go back to the East coast. And, um, I didn't want to come back to New York because it just felt like, a lot of pressure and and like as soon as we would get back I would need to compete and I would need to like you know do something you know how I am like I would want to like be in TV or do this or do that or whatever you know I wanted to go someplace where there wasn't going to be any pressure I could get like a job bagging groceries or something so we moved to Vermont we moved to Burlington because my parents have a house upstate and it's close to Vermont so we moved to Burlington I got off methadone like a milligram at a time whatever the slowest wean was it took me a year to get off methadone and I went to treatment on 30 milligrams of methadone and uh, I detoxed off the rest and then I did dope one more time you know before I wound up relapsing again and on heavy dope for years but this is when I when I left California I did dope one more time I actually it's a little dopey story I'll just include it I I I bought all this dope and I came home and uh, I draw it up in a needle 
and it was like an old needle because they weren't selling needles in the in the pharmacies there. And I, I wasn't like a regular at the needle exchange. And I had all these old needles that I kept in a lunchbox that I, I don't know why I had it, but I had it. And um, and I went to shoot the dope and the needle was so old, it got all clogged up and it wouldn't let me shoot it. You know, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have had this happen. And I got super mad. I didn't have any more needles and I hadn't done dope in a week or so. So I broke the uh, the whole thing off, the whole front. I like took my teeth and I broke the whole front of the syringe off and I just shot it up my nose. Um, and uh, and I got really high. And uh, and we were packing to move to Burlington. I was just watching Lost, <laughs> ironically. Oh anyway, so I moved to Burlington and... Um, Fucking, uh, I spent a bunch of time with my mom and I was smoking weed, but I wasn't taking any drugs. I wasn't taking, uh, heroin or pot or I'm sorry, heroin or pills or methadone. And I remember sitting with her, uh, at their house upstate and she told me that she was going to die. And, um, and I believed her, you know what I mean? And I I was just kind of like in the wake of coming off all these drugs, I was kind of like, you know, very matter of fact, like this was going to happen. And, and, uh, and she died, uh, I don't know, two months later, three months later. And, um, I didn't get clean for her. You know, I, I, I got off methadone to come home, but I didn't get clean. I still smoked weed. And after she died, I stole a bottle of Percocets that was hers, you know, and I, and I, and I loved it, you know? Um, I remember though, when she died, I like felt nothing. Uh, but again, I went to the payphone and I called you. And the second I told you she died, I died, you know, and I wept and wept and wept on the phone. Now, I don't know if I'm really speaking to Tony's story. Am I? What else do I have to say in terms of Tony's story? So am I living anything out here? No, just like how did you... I think that the point is that in my experience, you can't get clean for anybody else. Mm. You know, I I was lucky enough to be able to be with my mother for a few months before she died. And it meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to her. Um, Like we went to Tanglewood. We picked blueberries. I got to not be a dick which was the number one thing that I got to do was to not be a dick to her and not be a dick to my dad in front of her and not be a dick to my sister. I, you know, cause I was such a dick when I was on drugs. I was so angry and so mean all the time. So I got to be a nice person for my mother, you know, and I, and I would recommend that you do the same, you know, you just, you know, try to make the most of her time. It's very hard to get clean for anybody else. I mean, maybe I got clean for Nora in the end, but I think I didn't, I think I got clean for myself. You know, I think I got clean because I couldn't live with being like that. Yeah. You know, so I, I, Tony, I appreciate this letter. I really appreciate the socks. I think they're fucking great. And I love that, um, that you like the show. Uh, get clean for yourself. And if you can get clean for your mom, get clean for her. I just could never get clean for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that, no, that, that really says, says it all. That covers it. Yeah. Um, you don't want to tell the fucking. I want to tell the story about, um, you know, my, you know, my, my problems with alcohol. So, and I've never told you this story. So this is a new one. So <clears throat> I was, uh, in the slam poetry scene and the spoken word scene in the early two thousands in Seattle, in Seattle. And it was, uh, this club called the sit and spin, which was a, um, 
It was a laundry place and a pizza place. Um, and the pizza place had games, like board games, all over the walls and all over, you know, like you could play games. And in the back, there was this little back room that had this amazing music venue and a bar. And so this is the first place that I'd ever gone to, like, see live poetry. And it was amazing, you know, especially back in the early 2000s when it didn't, it, you know, it just, it just didn't know, the genre didn't even know what, what it was yet. It was just kind of figuring out what it was. And so there's all these different kind of poetic styles that were coming through. And I just loved it. Um, one of the things that would happen was that, like, you could get free drink tickets. And I made friends with the door guys um, and the whole crew out there. And I would just be drinking for free. Um, and I became part of the family, Slam family. And I ended up, like, really just, you know, flowing in and doing really well. So that kind of became my venue for doing a lot of my poetic work started like you know helping host um so there was this moment when this one night uh i'm walking to the slam and this guy now if you've ever seen the show um spencer for hire um so there's this man i don't think i've seen it but i know okay so benjamin cisco from you know like deep space nine yeah yeah, yeah. okay so like very well put together it wasn't him no it wasn't (laughs) but like charismatic tall like regal black man in like a you know like an ankle length butter soft black leather coat and with like one of those caps on um one of those like round hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, like a Muslim kufi. Kind. Exactly, like a kufi, exactly. Right. And he's walking down the street, and behind him. Um, leather is, kufi. Yes. Okay. No, yes, a leather kufi, exactly. And so behind him is this younger woman, and she looks like Pam Greer. She looks like Foxy Brown. Okay. Like, and this other guy who's kind of much more like, you know, current, like of that day, like, you know, street baggy jeans with a nice, you know, like there. And they're walking three, the three of them are walking up to the venue. And I was like, whoa, I think they're going to the slam. And like, I was like, cool. And so later, you know, I do my thing and he gets on later and his voice is mellifluous. It is like this, this like compelling voice. I mean, I'm going to try to do it. So it's like, hello. <laughs> My name is Lord Byron. And so he, he announced himself as Lord Byron. And so I wanted, you know, like, and so he starts doing it. And, like, it turns out that he was doing this deep magic. Like, and if you've ever read this book, Mumbo Jumbo, he was, he was doing Mumbo Jumbo. He was like, he, you couldn't. What is that? It's like this way of speaking where, like, language twists in on itself and it's deeply African American vernacular. And, like, you would have to lean, like, literally lean in to kind of hear what he was saying and figure out what he was saying because you couldn't understand everything but like everything that he would say was deeply compelling and the whole family was grift were, were grifters like total grifters so they land in the scene and a friend of ours gabrielle she rolls time through out. time out yeah i can't have that phone ring through this uh story so back to it Gr- grifters with gabrielle okay so um um, you know, uh, Gabrielle. Who is Gabrielle? She was um, one of the people who was running the slam. Okay. She says, "Oh, hey, um, you know, I gave you know, I, I gave um, Lord Byron your number." <laughs> and so I get this call, <clears throat> and it's like, "Hello, I saw you at the slam, and I just I want to let you know that I believe in your talent." And. 
people are talking shit behind your back. <laughs> Why this don't is you everything me? you want to hear and everything you don't. A black man that believes in your talent and everyone's talking behind your back. It was amazing. Can't get better or worse at the same time. <laughs> so we go out and meet at this place. What called, else does he say? Oh well, no, no. He's like, he's like, <clears throat> why don't you meet me at the Brass Pig? And I'm like, okay. Where and when, Lord Byron? <laughs> so I go and I like go downtown and I, you know, like try to meet him at the Brass Pig and like don't, you know, he's not there. And like I'm like, okay, whatever. You also don't have a tradition of having. Black men with cool names in your life because there's also Will He Survive yeah. in, your, in your life. Oh my God! You should talk to Willie. You should. You should. You Will should he have, survive. Will, Amazing name. You should talk to. And now it's Will. It's because he definitely he will, will survive. survive. Anyway, back to Lord Byron. I'm sorry. So, um, Lord Byron then called. Like I apologize for not meeting you at the Brass Pig, but I have a proposition for you. And um, I'm like, okay. And he's like, meet me at the Canterbury Tales. Which <laughs> like, like, is like, you know, bar. And so we meet at the Canterbury Tales. And then, like, you know, um, we end up playing chess. And, like, you know, and then, like, so I win on the first round, you know, and then he schools me in the next two rounds. He hustles you. Yeah, he hustles me. Like, you know, and it's that, there's that, that little bit of a win and then neg, neg. So, like, this guy, like, knows his things. That's what he did to me in the first line. He was like, you know, like, I believe in your talent. And then, like, uh-huh. and, you know, and he starts talking to me about how he really does, you know, like, oh, he, he thinks my work is great and, you know, you should be running that place and all this stuff and that well some people say and i believe this too that you drink too much and he started actually just talking to me straight about my drinking you know and at that point i was drinking a lot i was also working in the restaurant industry and you drink all the time um and like most most you know i didn't know it back then but for sure most people who work in bars are alcoholics and you know like uh, so many in, in restaurants and like you, you end up blowing lots of drugs steam. and alcohol in restaurants. yes yeah and so um we ended up um like leaving it there and i was like whoa i never knew and it turns out that people had been had been telling me like some of my best friends in the same were like hey you know like and they were like you know telling me about maybe you shouldn't drink as much and none of it got through until like Lord Byron steps out of you know a book and like says you know this is this is the deal. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I get this call later, <clears throat> and he's like, now, uh, Roberto, let me ask you: if I said the words Lebanon, <laughs> what would that mean to you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What about blonde? Lebanon blonde and I'm like I don't know like and he's what about shit and I'm like he's trying know. to get you to say oh blonde <laughs> Lebanese hash I love <laughs> that stuff and then it's like <laughs> then he's like what about hashish and I'm like oh you mean hash and I'm like yeah sure and like meanwhile I don't really do drugs you know I'm like not in that way and so he's like I have a proposition why don't you hold a piece of this Lebanon blonde, blonde? you know like I have a friend who can, you know, like, and then he started talking all this stuff of like, you just hold it for a little bit and then, you know, do, you know, like, and then, um, 
uh, you know, like you give me money and, you know, like and you can hold it for whatever. And then I'll come back and I'll pick the rest up and I'll get you, you know, like this whole like scam. weird scam. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. Here's here's the deal. It's like the black hash dealing version of Amway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hold on to this and sell a little off. And yeah. And I'm like, uh, you know, like I was like, hey, you know, uh, Byron. You know, here, here's the deal. Like, I really like, appreciate like, it. Excuse me, it's Lord Byron. <laughs> I said, you know, here's, you know, like, yeah, look, you don't, you don't have, I don't have to, I'm going to give you $200, you know, and if you can get it back to me, you know, go ahead. And that's okay. And I'll meet you at the sun. I don't need the Lebanese hash. I, I don't need the Lebanese hash. I didn't want to get caught up in some weird shit that yeah, I knew was coming yeah. down the pipe. Right, right. And so he, then he like, he, in, in his voice, I actually flipped it on him. I was like, it was really it was weird. Like, if you want 200 bucks, you can take it. Yeah. yeah. And I gave it, you know, I was like, no strings attached. Just have $200. Because he was a grifter and he was like waiting for yeah. me to, to, to like. grift him. Yeah, yeah. No, to like, also to like, you know, like try to do that. I don't know. And it's just like, so I was like, okay, well. And so I meet him at the, 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 the slam. I'm like, here. And he's like, okay. And he's, he looked at me with these eyes and he said, look, you know, and I was like, you don't, I, you don't have to give this back to me if, you know, hey. Here, have this. And I considered it because he was so honest with me. It, it reminds me of like people who are honest when, you know, like, hey, you're fucking up. Like, and it was like literally well, the where best. Where was he so honest with you about was, the drinking? Yeah, about the drinking. And he was like, you know, uh, and so I thought it was like $200 well spent for a therapy that I couldn't have bought. I literally could not have. Right, that understood. confrontation. But you still went on to drink heavily for years and years and years. After that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you, how about when Jim confronts you about it? And Jim's like, I'm not going to hang. If you're drinking or getting high, I'm not going to hang out. Well, David does too. Um, he doesn't. But I still like that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I like the feeling of going fast. Yeah, I hear you. You know, like, like or not fast, not speedy. But rather, like, out of, con- like, not, I'm so of the moment that I just want to be in the moment. And it might be, it might be these things of, like, sh- like, anesthetizing myself to the moment so that I can be in the so moment. you don't have to worry about the moment. So yeah. the moment comes to you. Yeah. Like, I- I'll tell you, like, because I, I, I think I'm pretty similar to that. And, uh, and I always was. You know what I mean? I like to be anesthetized to the moment so that I didn't have to worry about the moment. So I could just be, you know what I mean? So I didn't, mm-hmm. have, to, I didn't have to hear that voice in my head, mm-hmm. you know? But now, you know, I have, you know, three and a half years of never putting anything into me besides the occasional Benadryl or NyQuil to help me sleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I find that I can totally be in the moment and, uh, and not worry about it. You know, I, I find my life to be much easier without putting anything into me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, I think that Lord Byron story is funny, and what it reminded me of, though, and for no reason, is um, the first time I smoked hash was at your family's house with your sister, what? and your sister like all of a sudden turned into like some seventies person, and the way she <laughs> smoked hash was she had a, a jar with like a lid on the jar that was like a coaster, and she would put this tack into the jar and she put the hash on there she'd light it put it into the jar so the jar would fill up with smoke and then we would suck the smoke out of the jar in the bathroom whoa and you're in your parents apartment back in the day i never knew it was like it was like it it reminded me of like when people would like sell lids of drugs (laughs) like i was like maybe this is why they set a lid it's a pinner (laughs) yeah it was was like whatever it was like it felt like old school drug using Uh, yeah so your sister thank you if you're if 
you're listening to that, if you're not asleep yet, Lisa, that's, that's <laughs> wait, 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 wait. your the, shout out. The, so here's the, here's the end of this story. Oh, good, is that okay. like, so, so Lord Byron comes one more time to the slam and he's like, Hey, I just want to say, I apologize. I will get you. And he looked on, he looked honest and you earnest. You shook him by giving uh, yeah, him the money. Yeah. I was like, I'm, just take the money. It's fine. I thought it was like therapy well spent. It turned out that he grifted Gabrielle and her whole house out of a, like in, like for like $2,500, $3,000. Through the hash deal? No, through like, she, he was staying over there sometimes or just hanging out and they had left rent money in an envelope and he just took it and then he skipped town. Like he found, he found his, his good grift and he just, he left. Well, thieving turned out to be his good grift. Yeah. Just straight up (laughs) like finding $2,500 in an envelope. (laughs) It's like the best grift of all. Um, no, I love that. I think that's I think that's hysterical, and I think it's also funny how you avoided the bad thing by being generous and, yeah. and kind-hearted. Yeah, but I feel I you know I still I don't know. I mean, like there have been times when, like for all you dopey nation has like I remember like like after one hard night of drinking like in my parents' house I was like you know and this is old enough like I'm you know in college or past college I remember being so drunk getting to the door get it finally getting in like stumbling down and I remember like. Falling to the parquet, and like I was like, I have to get to the, I have to get to the bathroom. Like you know, I'm gonna puke, and then like, do, like in a push-up stance, and I could not stop puking, and then I puked, and then in slow motion, like like <laughs> millimeter by millimeter, I saw like I could not stop my face from resting slowly into the puke, and then like I passed uh. out, and then I passed out my face in the puke, and my mother. And you know, saint of all saints, like has like calms up and then cleans me up, and like I remember, you know, like you know, but this is like it was in like thirties. This is like old enough for me, like. But you your know. your mother never told you that you might have a problem, did she? No, but my mother drinks a lot. Yeah, yeah. Your mother's like favorite thing is tequila. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but your mother is. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know the big book the way I would like to, and the way Chris did. But they, there is a lot of talk about heavy drinkers versus alcoholics, and I mean, my only determination is: is a mind altering substance making your life unmanageable to the point where you're do, you're wishing you hadn't done it to the point of where your your day to day is at a place that's much worse because you do it you know what i mean and like uh-huh. if you find yourself there you can say i'm an alcoholic i'm an addict uh-huh. you know what i mean i knew i was an addict because i was fucking physically de- i mean i was i took drugs every day for many many years it was very obvious that i was an addict you know i think some because alcohol is socially acceptable because some people drink too much and think too much they decide they're an alcoholic but i really believe that anybody that decides they're an alcoholic is an alcoholic uh-huh. you know what i mean and i think it's like self-diagnosable and i think that's one of the most beautiful things about the whole thing now i now we are going to go to that great part of the show where we play voicemail and this is from a dopey uh Mainstay, we'll say, dopey favorite, Jeremy Turner, does amazing voicemails, and Jeremy is at a crossroads in his life, and uh, I'm going to play his uh, voicemail. You want to hear? Yes. I love the voicemails. I think that's my, one of my favorite parts about Dopey. Here we go. Hey, what's up, Dopey Nation? This is uh, Jeremy Turner, uh, also known as Whitey Tidies. It's been a while since I did a voicemail, but I thought of one the other day. 
it's a story about I got out of jail in December of 2014, and I, I work out on a, uh, a riverboat, and I got this new job. And I ended up getting off uh, off the boat up by St. Louis, and they gave me a rental car, and I had to drive the rental car all the way back to Louisiana. So I get back to Louisiana, and I go to score some dope, which for me, drug of choice is meth. And I get spun out for several, several days. You know, the classic uh, getting high and just being in a hotel room paranoid and just twisted. And to make a long story short, definitely, um, I had to go get, my, my buddy was using my car while I was on the boat and I had to drive down I-20 from Vicksburg, Mississippi to a little place, a little town called Delhi, Louisiana. And I went to my homeboy's house and I had one shot of dope left. And so when I got there, he was like, dude, you need to eat. You need to get some freaking sleep. And um, he was definitely right. So I drank a few Miller Lights and I made uh, this this jailhouse concoction. It was like ramen noodles, Vienna sausage with a little bit of tomato sauce. It was like jailhouse fucking uh, spaghetti. And I mean, I just got out of jail, granted, two months before. I did like three and a half years. Uh, so, anyways, I go to the room, and I remember taking the last shot, the last syringe full of my uh, dope out. And I, I'm guessing that I did do it, but I don't remember actually doing it. And the rest felt like a dream. I thought I had went to sleep. The next thing I know... I'm at a rest area on I-20 at a picnic table and a cop's pulling up and I'm thinking it's like a lucid dream. That's that's what I'm thinking. And so I get up and I start walking toward the patrol car and the cop gets out and says, stand right there. And the first thing he does is he detains me. And he puts handcuffs on me. And when the handcuffs went on, that's when I realized, oh, shit, this is real. So he starts questioning me. And I start to, like, like little spots of, you know, like little, uh, little memories start coming back. Like, the car broke down. I had to walk over here. It's a rent-a-car, a company car. So I just start trying to put the pieces together as I'm talking to him. And he's just sitting there looking at me because, I mean, I'm tweaking so bad. I mean, I'm moving around like a wiggle worm. And he's like, yeah, tell me more. And so I was like, okay, the vehicle broke down. And uh, I, I was here to use somebody's phone because my phone fell in the water. And I'm just giving him every excuse in the book. And so he tells me, he said, why did you leave the vehicle in the road? I'm like, not to leave the vehicle in the road. And he tells me, he said, yeah, you did. He said, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You didn't even have any flashers on. And you left it in the right lane. He, and so... I'm just floored because it was a total blackout. And I'm like, man, I'm about to go to jail. And I'm very upset because, you know, doing three and a half years in your 30s, which is, you know, the last years of your prime is just, you know, it's a gut punch. So he 
tell, he asked me, he says, where's the key to the vehicle? We have to get it out of the road, and we don't have the key. I said, I don't know. So he checks my bags, and then before I know it, there's 20 cops there, and they bring me to jail, and, I, and they charge me with obstruction of a highway which is a felony, and you can get up to 15 years, depending on if you do any kind of uh, damage to, you know, if, if somebody would have ran into the vehicle, uh, I definitely would have went to jail for a long time. So, I get in this, this little jail, which this is, a, it's in Tallulah, Louisiana, and, uh, and it's just a small, small jail. It's like a dungeon. And I get in there and I get in my cell, which is by myself, and I'm so upset with myself, I start banging my head on the wall. And, um, and you know, I'm just trying to calm myself down because I'm thinking, golly, I just got out two months ago. And, and that's just, uh, that speaks to how powerful addiction is. Because, um, you know, this was a very nutso situation. This was a very serious thing that I did. I could have caused a lot of damage to a lot of people. And so I'm so upset with myself, and I lay on the bed, and I start kind of rocking back and forth just to kind of calm my nerves. And it felt like it felt like somebody put their arm around me and just was just was kind of rocking me back and forth. And finally, I calmed down enough to where I could go to sleep. And, um, you know, in the program, they, they talk about spirituality and believing in a power greater than themselves. And the reason I'm saying that is because my dad died of a drug overdose in 2009, uh, a Roxycontin overdose. And, you know, I didn't get to say goodbye, but when I went to sleep that night in jail, um, what happened was... I dreamed about my dad and he walked up to me on the street and he put his arm around me and we just started walking down the street and he didn't say anything to me but he was there with me and uh, you know I don't know how people feel about it you know but I feel like in that moment he was there with me and uh, it was his way of saying it's gonna be alright and um I guess we're at seven minutes now. But I guess this is a, more of a cautionary tale. It's not one of those things that I really laugh at because I know the severity of, of, of what I did. And um, anyways, I'm going to be going to treatment pretty soon and, you know, give it my best. And I, I really appreciate the Dopey Nation and Dave and... Uh, Everybody take care of yourself and stay strong. Toodles. Thank you, Jeremy. Super powerful uh, voicemail from the great Jeremy Turner. Thank you, Jeremy. I, I really appreciated where you went with that. And, you know, good luck to you. Stay strong. Um, I really, 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 really uh, love all of his voicemails. And um, fucking, he had some funny ones. And, and we, he has this story that we have to get he has to come on the show to tell the story but it's like this crazy crazy story and uh hopefully before he goes away maybe we'll do it i don't know jeremy eventually we gotta do the violin story the fiddle story as i like to think of it in my head (laughs) anyway 
this episode is longer than I had intended on being, but it's such a treat to have Robbie around. Such a treat to have you around. There's so many stories we didn't get to tell. Oh my god, there's like, so many stories. The Rafferty story, the fucking oh mushroom story, which is like ridiculous. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call in that story, and I'm gonna leave it as a voicemail because it's actually a poem. The mushroom story, though. Okay. After after the trip was over, it started reason- here at this at this very kitchen table. It did. Yeah, it started here because that's where we divided up the mushrooms. It was a, it was it was a big dose. And uh, and I remember in the middle of the trip, and it's like it's a oh, testimony God. to our. I, I'm not gonna, you know, if you don't want to tell the story now, we're not gonna tell the story now. But I think it's a testimony to our friendship that you, he, Robbie, lost his fucking mind. He had a psychotic break with reality, and he. Became- well, it's just a doorway. I mean, it literally is a doorway. I believe in bigger things, and I like was inhabited by bigger things, and I see bigger things and bigger narratives. I can see, and at any rate, but go on. But he he was. Gone, <laughs> and you and you were also like in pain, yeah, and and like yes, and I remember we were in Central Park, and he was having this ridiculous effect from the mushrooms. He he, he assumed a different personality, and he was fighting with a friend of mine. And I remember I said, Robbie, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and you I, were the one I who could calm you, me and down. I, and I and I like I was like fuck all this shit. It was like it got crazy. Yeah, and I walked you to a deli on Broadway. Yeah, and we bought some orange juice. Yeah, and we stood there, and I like held you by your shoulders. And like I brought you back to yeah. Earth, which maybe wasn't. I mean, you were agitated, so it was good that I brought you. Back oh to, no, yeah, I was, was gonna like, die. Yeah, with, with all of the you know ins and outs of our friendship, I was. It was just beautiful to me that I that I could be that person. So you, you know I mean? one of the things that you said to me during that trip was like the worst thing that you can do is um, is is leave the group because I wanted to like I was trying to get away and I started understanding like oh wow well you make one choice and it's already like predestination as like a mind flip when you're tripping like you can't do that because it's already like that path is already chosen that like this is the whole thing of like God and this whole big fate 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 and God and like um, so uh, Davey says like no the worst thing this is what we do we we stay together. You can't leave the conversation. And this is actually, I think, one of the best things about Dopey is that, like, Dopey is always a con- like a continuation of the conversation. Like, you 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 have someone here. You know, the Dopey Nation has each other. Like this ability to tell stories and like be with one another. And you're not in the same place. You can you can hear Jeremy's like accent. He's like from another. Like he's from Louisiana. He's like, but he comes to Dopey because he can tell a story and it'll land in this place and people we will get hear it. it. Yeah, we all get it. So he was like, Davey was like, don't don't leave and just was was a companion to me in that moment and when we went to that deli i snapped out of it yeah it was great it was like boom. but this the episode is too long for my for my crazy brain and uh but i cannot do an episode now without doing uh an installment of the amazing chopped and screwed by wooster and in this episode <laughs> of chopped and screwed i'm just such a dick to chris so forgive me, Chris, and anybody who fucking hates me and loves Chris. Forgive me, everybody. I was a dick to Chris a lot, but I couldn't help it. He deserved it. I'm sorry. He deserved no, it. No. He did. I, uh, okay, so this is before. Oh, but, oh. oh here we go. You Here's were so mean to Chris. Okay, here we go. Stop. No. Listen, listen to the thing. If anybody out there in the Dopey Nation is good at, like, cutting up <laughs> <Anything>. audio... <laughs> 
why don't you hit us up? We will hand over the Dopey archives to you, and we can you can create a little audio collage. What you want to do something with those one-liners? So this is like a chopped and screwed episode. So we'll call it the chopped and screwed episode. <laughs> Continue to interrupt, interrogate, berate, and belittle Chris at every opportunity. It is my favorite element of the show. I've made a decision that I am not going to be mean-spirited towards you anymore. Dude, the show will suck. Chris had been away a long time, and I really missed him until I saw him again. Dave has told me on multiple occasions that he listens to Dopey and he realizes that he needs to be meaner to me. I'm not mean to you. Yeah. I don't think I'm nearly mean enough to you. I I allow you to feel something. (laughs) You're just a conduit for feeling? Listen, you seem deranged and confused, and this is me trying to be nice to you. Chris, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of you and your bullying. No, you're not. You're a pussy. You're You're not afraid of me. You push me around. You deserve it. (laughs) You call me out on stuff. Because I'm phony in a lot of ways. Look at this. We're having a breakthrough right here. I love you, and I appreciate you, and I think you do a heck of a good job on the show. Well, thank you. Because obviously you don't do a good job on anything else. Um, Okay, so what's on the agenda, man? Dude, what are you? You're you're staring off into space. I'm ready. I'm thinking. You're not looking at me. We're we're just chilling. Okay. Why can't you just chill and let it flow, homie? All right. You got problems. Well, I'm not denying that. Wow. But you're so fucking obsessed with hitting him with the dopey. What's up? Let's hit him with the dopey. (laughs) It's like the dopey is just us talking. Can you just relax and let it happen? All right, let's go. We need to hit him with the dopey. Well, I'm going to hit him with the dopey right now. I feel like we got to hit him with some dopey real quick. Or should we need him some hit him with some dopey? I'll hit him with some dopey real quick. Let's hit these motherfuckers with some dopey, dude. This this is going to be a weird dopey episode, by the way. Why? Because we haven't hit him with any dopey. Let's hit him with some dopey. Chris like has Chris makes these weird appearances in places for part of his school stuff, and I'm like, well, what are you going to talk about? And he always texts, I'm going to hit him with the dopey. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I'm like, did you? And he's like, nah. Dude, you didn't take an opportunity like this. I never do it, man. I'm a pussy. Why, Chris? Because you're, you're so fucking perfect, right? right? Fuck you, man. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get a hold of yourself, by the way. King Chris, hey. King Chris, we should go, we should go. You're the man. We love go. Yeah, yeah. How about this? Some How about this? Jerk off. How about this? How about some this? kind of jerk off. You are. As soon as Chris will get the chance, he will turn on me. I was never a counselor, you little fucking turncoat, traitorous dogs. <laughs> Oh, you're such an asshole. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. First of all, I want to polygraph you. You're a fool. Yeah. We're so sorry, especially Chris. And I think you misunderstood him because he's just a little bit retarded. He's very easy to be misunderstood. That was great. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it was fucking great. It was fire. Ugh, it was straight fire. What happens to you? So my light just goes off, doesn't it? <laughs> Shut up, I like this. Phone. You know, Chris has got problems. Look at her. Sit up for the story. You got no energy. I was like, my life's so sad. <laughs> I'm tragic. Oh, your life is sad. Chris is much smarter than me. I hate to admit it. I don't really think it. What are you? What are you doing? I'm just talking. 
God help me. Well, okay, okay. Just, just calm down. You're an idiot. His eyes are kind of glazed over. It reminds me of talking to you, and he's like, he's like, you are a loveless, sociopathic cocksucker. Suck a dick. All right, so write us a review. Are you okay? Bong boom. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what do you mean? Are you okay? Okay. What's Eat. wrong with you? Just who cares? No, what the about- fuck do you care? What's yeah. wrong with you? Do you feel okay? Honestly. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. How often do you text me, are you okay? I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you do it like every five minutes. But well, those are the minutes that I'm actually very concerned about you. I want to know if you're okay. Yeah. What's wrong, man? <laughs> What's wrong? What's the matter? What's wrong? What's going on? Are you okay? I'm very good. You seem so... You ask sim- me, am I okay a lot? You don't seem okay. That's why. <laughs> I'm waiting for the real answer to come out. Are you okay, by the way? Yeah, fine. Do you, don't, you don't look a little there. bit deluded. It drives me nuts when you ask me that. Well, I mean, I just try to snap you, you out of your phone. Does, he, whatever we're, <laughs> we're texting... He'll every once in a while just say, are you okay? And it's just a way... To wake you up. To piss me off. Just to wait, and then, and and then they come back and into then, it. I, Chris is such a fucking little <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I blame Chris, just so we're clear about this. Dude, it's because you don't care about anything. I care about Blackie. It's my cat. I love each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. Especially yeah. you angel eyes. Fuckhead. Um, that was the thing you had in common with her. There was that neither of you liked you. You are just so <laughs> fucking backward and passive aggressive. You're an asshole. You've been an asshole for two hours. I don't know why. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You're such a lying pussy. Perfectly equanimous with an understanding of Anicca. Oh my god. You're just a liar. Number You're a liar, Chris. <laughs> Siri's so fucking you. stupid. Siri, is, is Chris the stupidest person in the world? There's something else I wanted to say bashing Chris. Not only are you a people pleaser, you throw me under the bus and you're a liar. Only if we change it with a so fucking annoying. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've um, got a friend that supports you through thick and who? thin. This guy right here. Oh, whatever happens. You're the worst friend I've ever had. Regardless, Chris is a fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking cocksucker. What? Yes, cocksucker. It's workithealth.com backslash dopey. It's just a slash, you stupid fucking idiot. Or shut dopey. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're a fucking Keep idiot. Going. You suck. Just say something, Chris. Fill the fucking air. Do I have to do fucking everything? Um, say something. Chris is fading like a flower at the end of spring. You are not looking good. Not seeming well and very agitated. Shut the fuck up. You're an asshole. What? 99% you're an asshole. (laughs) Actually, 100%. You're an asshole. Can I just tell you that it surprises me that you have opinions at all about anything? You have the least amount of opinions out of anybody I've ever met. You have no opinions. You're just a dick without an opinion. I just want to say something before I tell you what it is. Yeah. You're an asshole. Tell me the name again. No. Please. I hate you. Why? Because you're in this weird place where you want to belittle me because I, I had a bladder issue. I can't remember a fucking 20-word title. Can you just be How cool? Does it feel? But you don't think that you need me to be mean to you so you can feel something. No. You feel nothing all 
day. Do. You have no thoughts. All the you, only thing that makes you think anything is for some. I'm the only person that cares enough to be honest. You, with you. bolster my low self esteem and you set my recovery back. And it makes you feel comfortable. <laughs> you need it. All right. So okay, what is it called again? Though the book is called "Everything Is Horrible and Wonderful: A Tragic Comic Memoir of Genius, Heroin, Love, and Loss." Okay, and tell me what it's called. Uh, everything is wonderful. No, stupid. <laughs> everything. I wasn't listening. I can't believe how stupid you are. Uh, everything uh, is illuminated. A tragic comedy. The book is called Heroin. Chris is an ass. <laughs> he has no opinions. Has he read the book Everything's Illuminated? That shit wrong. His opinions about rehab aren't even his own. <laughs> The book is called Chris is a Dumbass. He thinks he's smart because he's going to have letters after his names, and I'm going to my mommy's house in Anguilla to celebrate. <laughs> I know. It's going to be awesome. The book is called I Pay for My Girlfriend's Life with My Parents' Money, a <laughs> memoir by Chris. You sound jealous. The, I am not jealous. Yeah. The book is called I Have to Walk a Big Fluffy Dog and Pick Up Its Shit by Chris. <laughs> I love Sammy. Sammy's the best. Yeah. Tell me that now. <laughs> Call me next time you're walking the dog. Okay. Everything is wonderful. Listen, the truth is, you're an asshole. You are a <laughs> hypocrite liar. I mean, you, you make you another five sounds right now. You, you tell me, I look. You look insane. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sane. I just blew your mind. You're, you're so sweaty. You're dry. <laughs> you got no heart, and you sing like a fucking idiot. I love Tom Petty. And I hate you. I mean, Chris is fucked. Answer me how much battery life you got. It's really none of your fucking business. I like that. <laughs> Dave lives his life on 5%. You don't know anything about my life. <laughs> Dave's writing with this dry-ass marker. <laughs> it's such a metaphor for his life. 2% on his battery. Writing with a marker that doesn't work. You're an idiot. Your whole life is handed to you on a silver fucking platter. <laughs> you sound jealous. You disgust me. Try, try not having your father pay for your breaks and <laughs> get sent to your mansion in Anguilla. <laughs> and maybe you can experience envy, you fucking prick. You're such a little cunt. I'm going to ask you three questions. Number one. Are there oil paintings of you and your brother and sister in the house? Stop. Are there? Stop. Number two, is there a chandelier covered with monkeys in the living room? I've never noticed it. That's how wealthy he is. He has so many chandeliers that he doesn't notice the one with monkeys. And number three, is there a motorized toilet brush in the downstairs you bathroom? You go on and on. Motorized toilet brush is nothing. You're fucking it's insane. Pretty fucking good. What's your problem? You're an idiot. Listen, just shut up. And then you feel stupid because you are stupid. Listen, you're annoying. He's getting that face. He's getting that stupid face. Your soul is ugly. You have an ugly soul. You know, it's funny because most people, they say, oh, what a nice heart. They don't know you. Yeah. Right now, Chris is playing catch with a piece of dust by himself as he's talking about smart and dumb dogs. It's, yeah. it's like That's so sad. It, the whole thing. It just it rocks my whole world. I don't give a fuck about Twitter. I don't even know what's going on over there. You're Send such a self-centered email. piece of shit. It's my whole life. <laughs> Send us an email. It's my whole life. And first, and what are you doing? How about the a fucking voice memo? Chris, That's like five to seven minutes. Shut up. What you post. make me sick. <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. Before we go. I just want you to know that you disgust me. And then I love it when Chris says toodles at the end. I think it's so funny. Don't say toodles. I don't like it. Toodles. 
Easily the meanest of the of the chopped and screwed series. <laughs> oh, it's very painful. It's very painful. It's very, it's very, the first time I heard it, the first three episodes, I was like rolling and laughing. Uh-huh. And this one, I was just like, I'm just not a nice person. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta square up with that in the in the universe. Come on, man, he deserved. <laughs> oh, no, it. he did. You heard what but, he said. Uh, I didn't know the, the the when I started listening to, to to Dopey. What did it was the first thing that I said to you? I'm too mean to Chris. Yeah, I said you're too mean to Chris. And be nice to Chris. I was nice enough to him. Oh god, I love Chris, uh, and he loved it. I mean, this is this is uh, how you can add a piece of material and it makes me sound like a monster. Oh, Dave. You you said when you listened that you could tell it was funny. You know that I I, I come on. I I back me up here. I, Not at all. No. I love you. God loves you. Even Chris and loved. Me. Chris loved you. Chris loved you. Like, you loved Chris. It's very Chris painful you. to hear that one. I know. Because um, I'm so mean to him, and I was often. Very, very, very mean. So, you, just to, for the Dopey Nation, when um, we were in high school, we ended up high school like playing this thing called the Mean Game, and that, like, what you just heard is the Mean Game to the nth degree, like on a podcast. It's like very sharp. Yeah, yeah. I was always very good at the. Mean yeah, game. I hated the Mean Game because I was so sensitive. Yeah. I couldn't play. Yeah, the Mean Game was. I, I was too. I was just. I was really good at offense in the Mean Game, and when it came back to me, I would. Died a million deaths. Anyway, that's the show. So fucking stay strong, Dopey Nation. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And thank you, Robs, for coming on. Uh, it was a joy for me. It was uh, a joy for me too. Write an email. Fucking write a review. Let us know if you enjoyed my good friend Robbie <laughs> on the show. And do Instagram and Twitter and all that shit. And stay strong, Dopey Nation. Stay and strong, y'all. Fucking toodles for Chris. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles. No. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make. 
happy man And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had